0: No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series interview with Peter Sterling. This is part two. Some great stuff coming up. We pick up talking about the changes to the game in recent years for rewinding and reliving his proudest moments. Are we on the border, getting too close to having the game too diluted?
1: We've got to be really careful that the balance you know, the balance of rugby league, you know, theoretically, should be 50% attack, 50% defence. Yep. I'm OK with it being 60% attack, 40% defence say that, you know, we we like to see the 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 ball being thrown around and we like seeing great attacking football. But we're getting I think too far away where it's more like seventy thirty. Yeah. And you know, defence should be rewarded more than it than it is now. Um, and you know, maybe we don't want to be back to the, the games As were the grand finals back in the eighties, where we had a six four and a and a four two and that kind of thing, maybe. But I still think that there's great Mm. excitement in in, in those kind of games. And I look back to last year, some of the better games of that were Parramatta Penrith eight six. So, um, you know that we don't want that to be Mm. the exception. Yeah, yeah. We we need to see more of that. So I'm I'm, we've had more rule changes. In the last 10 years, and we had in the previous 100, mm. I don't think the game was that bad, the previous 100. Yeah. We tend to be more reactive than proactive. Yes. So if we see a, something that is perceived to be a, a an area of concern in the game, we will make a change to accommodate that. But what we don't understand is that any change that you make, even minor, has a ripple effect. And whatever change you make, there are things that, come from that. And then unfortunately we sort of have to deal, okay, well now we've got to deal with, deal with this first ripple. How yeah. do we do that? And that will have an effect as well. I would like to sit back and just let things breathe a little bit more. Yeah. And I don't mind change. I think change, change is good, but not for the sake of it and not so many so quickly.
0: Yeah. The,
1: the corner post going, fantastic. The 40-20 rule, fantastic. A lot of them I don't put in that same category.
0: Agreed. Premierships, 81, 82, 83, you remember them fondly, but do you remember them differently?
1: Um, no, but maybe the first one because we were so young and, and it was the first. Yeah, I think, you know, 83, two years, they were probably a little bit more seasoned. We might have maybe expected more success. Yep. We had greater expectations of ourselves. Mm. Look at the 82, 83 Manly sides. Oh, they were great you, teams. Absolutely. I look back were. and I think – Boy, you know that's a good job yeah. to get to get over the top of those. They were great sides, the Manly teams, and I love chatting about them with Fatty and explaining how <laughs> they were so good for our four and against late in the season when we, we went on to play them. Um, I think eighty six is kind of underestimated because you know, we, we made the grand final in, in eighty four, got beaten. eighty five We didn't no. make it, and I think there was a maybe a general con- con- sort of perception that. We're past our best.
0: On the way out, maybe. Yeah, so
1: to come back mm. and to get that job done under a new coach in John Money, yeah. and I've always had enormous respect for John Money to step into the boots of Jack Gibson. Mm. You know, to step into that, This you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. Um, so to come in and, and to be able to steer us to a, a grand final win with a different type of game, um, the, the forward pack should have got more recognition in those earlier wins, but mm. in 86 – like to have the bookends of, of Terry Lee and and Jeff Bugden, yeah. you know, they were our pillars of strength that we built around, you know. And, and you know, the backbone will always get the plaudits, but yeah. the, the, the platform that the Forward set for us in all of those years, but especially in '86, mm. um, I think '86 has kind of lost a little bit. To come back and win it after a couple of years, mm. I, th- I thought was – and we won everything that year too. I think we yeah. might have won the pre-season. We might have won the midweek, mid-week competition as yep. well. And then we went on and had a host of players, made the Kangaroo Tour. Mm. We won Origin 3-0. It was a pretty good year, 86.
0: Clive Churchill medal as well. And from memory, it was the first Clive it was. Churchill medal. Yeah. That's pretty cool, mate.
1: It, very, very cool. Um, and I'm, I'm not being over modest here. Paul Taylor was the best player on the field in the eighty-six Grand Final, um, yeah. and, I, and I would never ever want to take anything away from that medal. I'm I'm exp- extremely proud um, and delighted to win it, especially mm. carrying that the name that it does. But if you have a look at the eighty-six Grand Final, he was the best player on the field. <laughs> I think they might have got us mixed up on occasion, which they did do. If they did, they do, did do. Yeah. Wouldn't do so much now, but um, <laughs> but he was he was the best player on the field.
0: Okay, so by this stage we've toured with Australia twice as a kangaroo, 82-86. You were the starting halfback in all test matches. Were the two tours similar or a different experience and what stands out? Because from 82 to 86, you're in different phases of your career personally.
1: Yeah, and that very, very different for me. In 82, I went over there, well, firstly, just... <laughs> Happy to be a part of yeah. a 20, 28 man squad. I think it was, um, and I went over there with my mindset that I was just going to have a great time, and if I got to play midweek games against Blackpool on the wing in the snow, that'll be that'll be fantastic, yep. you know. And and as it transpired, I, you know, got to play all five tests in eighty six. By the time we gone back, I was vice captain of that side, yeah. So I felt a great to responsibility uh, to be, you know, something of a a leader, but also um, I felt more comfortable and confident in my position. Yep. You know, in in 82, um, you know, both Turvey and Wally Lewis had been the test halves during the course of the season and had every right to believe that they probably Mm. should have started out. But Frank Stanton was the coach and he gave Brett and myself, I think maybe because we had played – um, finals, football, through to the grand final, obviously yeah. in 82. So we were a little bit more seasoned to yep. play that first game. I think it might have been against Hull FC. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm sure it was, actually. And Brett and myself played pretty well. Yep. And we kind of got the jump. Yeah, uh, okay. Now, whether that was – if if I was Steve Mortimer and, and Wallyus, I'd be filthy. I feel as though they have every right to mm. believe that they should have – there should have been some superiority or seniority there yeah. with the fact that they'd been the test halves through there. And, Wally was and also should.
0: the vice captain in 82.
1: Was he? I, yeah. You know, I throw, Max Krillich was the
0: captain. Yeah, Max yeah. Krillich was the captain. Wally was the vice captain. So Wally probably left Brisbane Airport thinking, well, I'll be playing test and, match and, footy. And
1: they had every right to, mm. you know, and I and I am not gonna feel sorry for the fact that yeah. I got but I understand their angst. Yeah. There's no doubt about that, because I would have as as well. Um, but we, we got a you know it's games about opportunity yeah it is yeah you know? and, and Brett and myself were given that opportunity and we grabbed it and um, but in '86 it was a very very different tour I, I had higher expect, expectations of, of of being a part of you know the the, the, the first side and, and playing test football and stuff like that and um, by that stage too when I went back to England I, I had an English girlfriend um, yeah. we stayed in in Leeds I'd been over there and played with Hull FC. Mm. I was really comfortable you know, I love england i love if if I hear an English accent now, especially a Yorkshire accent, I gravitate towards it. Wow. I love the english lifestyle my my year and a half at hull is was just the greatest time um, but to go back now, even after all of these years, uh, I still find the great the great joy in the north of England and the uh, I've always been a student of the history of the game and to go to the George Hotel and uh, yeah. all of those kind of things. Um, yeah, it was – by 86, I felt really comfortable over there and, and, yeah, loved every second of it.
0: Pete, everyone's got an opinion. Often it depends on what side of the tweed you live. Wally and Brett, who wins?
1: I, I'm, again, I'm biased here. Are very, very different players but, but have great – uh, impact on whatever game they'd play. I, yep. Well, well, you know, Brett's record's very, very good against Wally, but I'm not going to split them. I'd, I'm going to play in a team where you've got to find a spot for both of them. Yeah. Um. So, I, again, it's I think it's a moot point because they both had great, very different attributes. Obviously, Wally played like more of a back rower, mm-hmm. um, whereas Brett silky skills, the way that he moved um, – but had huge impact on whatever game they were involved in.
0: We've spoken about Bert. What was it about Wally that made him special? Made him different? Made him better?
1: Well, I, I think as we mentioned before, Wally made the difficult look easy in the biggest moments of games, and he wanted to be that person. He wanted. I love players who, when the game's on the line, they want. They want the ball. They mm. want to be involved. They. They want to be. That person, yeah, and Wally, Wally was definitely that. Yeah, you know, you, you look at finales of, of of Origin games, especially for Queensland, and in tight games, which they invariably won, he was the person. He was the yeah. difference. You know, I was up against it a couple of times, and I, I, I remember they scored down a short side from a, I think a tap, and you looked at it and you thought that how mm. that how did he do that 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 we should have. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know. If you're gonna get beat, beat us with something special. Mm. Beat us with something that we look back on and say, Oh well, well that was freaky, we couldn't do anything better. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't almost an effort plot. Don't, don't, yeah. don't make it make us look bad <laughs> because we couldn't handle something that from the casual observer looked fairly nondescript, you know. But Wally could do that. Wally had great vision.
0: Immortals, you've played with her against four of them. Wally is one. Bob Fulton, Arthur Beats and Mal Meninga. There is only 13 of them. And whenever discussing who's next, your name is at the top of most lists. What would that mean to you?
1: I'm not an immortal of the game. As I've said to you before, I know my standing in the game and I am not of that that ilk and I'm very very comfortable with that so um I think that the the immortal status has to maintain such an ex- exclusivity about it or otherwise it will lose the luster mm. for what it carries um I'm I'm very very comfortable and I'm not an immortal of the game and and I'm I'm not in that realm to be in the discussion is is so mm. it's so nice um But no, that's not me. Um, I'll throw in Darren Lockyer and Brad Fittler as the next two. I'm a big believer that should be chronological. I think of, and and, and I know there's been that argument, and you know, that's as to, I think that we have got to a stage now where we have to be really, really selective Mm. as to who comes in. I don't think that we have to bring people in just to bring somebody in. Um, but I, I I now think that we are up to date in regards to yeah. the passing of time with the game, and that down the track, and i i'm I'm also one of these people. I think if Cameron Smith is to be an immortal and probably should be, I don't think that should happen for another five or ten years. i think I think the dust has to settle on careers, and despite the fact it might be obvious to everybody that they have the qualifications, I still think there's something in waiting for that. To happen, to to just let things settle down, make the right decisions. Don't rush people in. And now we are up to date. Let's do it chronologically. Um, But in answer to your question, I'm no, I'm not. That's I'm not. I'm not part of that, of that elitism. I think and you're. I'm,
0: I think you're underselling. I no,
1: really no, do. No. And it's, look, it's lovely to say and, and to be in the conversation. In some people's minds, is fantastic. Mm. I know my, I know mm. my place in the game, and I'm not alongside those guys.
0: The Delhi M Medal, eighty six, eighty seven. The Rothmans Medal, eighty seven, ninety. Does that mean eighty seven was your best year individually, as judged by others, or do you see it differently? I think it's
1: a really disappointing year because I think we played finals football and. No. It was... It was kind of the start of the downward slide when it comes to uh, certainly you know, playing finals football at, at, at the club. I don't think I played a lot of rep footy after that. I I did my shoulder in 88, I think, in a test match and, and didn't didn't play a lot after that. So mm. 87, 88 were disappointing years, even though I think I'd probably play some good football mm. at that stage, but I would rather have foregone that. Individual stuff to have some team success, Um, but that wasn't the case. So, uh, yeah, I don't look back on 87 and 88 with any great satisfaction or joy.
0: What was your best football? What year, if you had to nominate? 86. 86. 86. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I think I played a role in what was a hugely successful year on a lot of different fronts. Yes,
0: it was. And I think
1: I made good contributions there. Um, So 86 was probably the standout for me.
0: This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Winding the clock back just a little, Hull FC between 83, 85. You play with them. Still to this day, you are an absolute legend over there. Just 36 games in the greater scheme of things, an experience that you're glad you had.
1: It was wonderful. I played 36 games. I'm in their Hall of Fame. Yeah. And that is, is, I think, nice a compliment as I've ever been given in the game, that when you look through, the players like Clive Sullivan and Johnny Whiteley played yeah. there. You know, I played alongside Steve Norton and Dave Topless and Gary Schofield and Lee Crooks and those kind of players. Mm. Um, I, I went there and I loved every every aspect of it. I, I travelled the world. I got to play at Wembley. I played with great players, really cosmopolitan team. We had where the, the kiwi players uh, Gary Kemble, Dane O'Hara, James yeah. Lulawai, Freddie Arcoy, we had Trevor Skerritt, Lee Crooks, great front rowers Steve Norton, a guy called Mick Crane. I, Mick Crane was one of the was one of the most talented players I ever played with, but he he just disappeared. He would he was this this enigmatic figure that he was so talented that if he came back and he trained, you had to pick him in the team. My first ever game for Hull FC was against Wakefield. Wally Lewis and Scott Lewis were on in wow. the Wakefield team. And as we're running out, I'm behind Mick Crane, and Mick Crane has got a cigarette in his mouth <laughs> as we're running on. And as we're running out, he flicks the durry towards the the – the bench, the substitute bench. We scored early. He went back via the bench to get the cigarette. <laughs> to fit. and I think, what, what, what's, what is this? What am I doing? Um, and so and Mick, Mick he, he played test football. Wow. So my my time at Hull, I met a girl. I, I yeah. it was uh, it was I went to Paris for my for for lunch. You know, this, this, it was, it was magnificent. I yeah. love that the supporters over there are very Parramatta like. They are, yep. they are, they are so supportive and so passionate. Mm. Um, And I, even now, after all of these years, when I go back to Hull, it's, it's just, it's a wondrous thing for me. It's, oh, I love I, that. It's, it's just a great, and I, we had our, it was good because Johnny Muggleton was over there. My sister married, Johnny, Johnny yeah. Muggleton, and um, so he played there. He played at Wembley as well. Yeah. So to go over there, we lived at a little place called Burton Pizzi. We had the Nancy was our local pub. We'd go there and have Yorkshire pud for you know, Sunday or Saturday lunch, Sunday lunches if we weren't playing. Type of thing. It it was. I love. I love the north of England. I love the people there. I love the footy. I only played thirty-six games there. I wish I'd have played two hundred and thirty-six.
0: You mentioned Wembley, the Challenge Cup final, maybe the most famous eighty-five. And it was famous, Hull versus Wigan, because it was Peter Sterling versus Brett Kenny. As we sit here in twenty-two and you look back, cool, weird, different, wrong, enjoyable. How was it? Wembley
1: was, was one of the great experiences for me as as a player. I wish it had been a shit game and we'd won instead of it being looked upon as such a really good game and we got beat. And look, to be honest, if Brett doesn't play, we win Mm. by 15. uh, You've got to understand the background of of Hull FC and Wembley. They'd never won Mm. at at the the Twin Towers and it was such a millstone around their Mm. neck. You know, there's there's this classic Hull – The rivalry between Hull FC and Hull KR, like Hull Kingston Rovers, is akin to Manchester United versus Manchester City in the Premier League. You don't drink at – if you are a FC supporter, you don't drink at a KR pub and vice versa. You don't go to certain parts of town. It is – like the rivalry is fantastic. So much so that these two clubs played at Wembley in a Challenge Cup final and the whole of Hull moved down – and somebody put up a banner across the M sixty two. Last person out, turn out the lights. <laughs> that's that's wow. th- th- these people. They are they are fantastic mm. people who love their footy, who are so passionate about it, and and the rivalry is superb. So to go there, I have very very few regrets in my career. The main regret that I have is not winning that game at Wembley. If I could change one thing in my career, it would be that. Now, when we went back to Hull, mm. got beaten by Wigan, who had Johnny f- Chica Ferguson, who scored an, a f- an unbelievable try to, to score. He had no room to move. I still don't know how he scored. Um, a Young Sean Edwards, uh, Graham West, That's who was right. a test front rower. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they had a quality team. When we, when we got beaten, we went back to Hull – and from about ten ks out, they put us in a, you know, you know the buses with that don't have the, the open top, open double deckers. Yeah. And there were thousands upon thousands who lined the motorway until wow. we got back to the town hall, where there was a sea of black and white, and we got beaten. Like it was, if I could, if I could change one thing, if I could give them something, yeah, you know, if 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 I could go back, I could. If I could just play better in that game, if there was one game I could play better in, it's that one. We would, we, if, we, if the game went another five or ten minutes, we win. We got beaten 28-24 yeah. and we stormed home. If Brett didn't play, we get beaten. If there's, one, if there's one result I could change, mm. it would be that one. It's still, it still irks me now after all of these years. It's the one thing that still causes me pain.
0: The frustration of your final two years when injury had caught up on your slight frame—how disappointing, how heartbreaking, how frustrating. Knowing what you had but couldn't produce. Yeah,
1: I still think I had a lot to offer, Andy. Yeah. So it was that was it was frustrating, and disappointing, and all of those kind of things. And um, you know, after all these years, I look back if if I'd have maybe done things a little bit differently and how I treated the injury you know, maybe I would have got something out of that. Mm. But, you know, I also look at it the other way. Like I played 227 first-grade games. I think the average career of a rugby league first-grader in Sydney is 40. And a lot of players...
0: I don't even think it's that many. Well, it yeah. might not
1: be. I think it might be getting up. You know, some players play 300, some play 200. A lot of players only play one or two.
0: That's right,
1: So yeah. I got, you know, so I got 227. Yeah. Um, you know, who am I to be disappointed mm. with that. I, I'd have liked to have played more footy in those last couple of years. Um, and again, I suppose the, the silver lining to the black cloud of injury was that in that period of time that I was on the sidelines, that's when I actually started doing a little bit of media stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was – I didn't realise at the time, but that was opening a door that for the next 30 years mm. when I gave it away – you know, so to do that, it made the transition so much easier because when I retired at 32, it was a stark realisation that the bulk of my working life was still in front of me.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Um, and back then, you know, I don't think we were prepared as well for life after football Certainly as what not. our young players are today. Mm. So, you know, it was, it was terrified. So the, the last two years of playing were very frustrating and I, I still think that I could have played some really good football but in the end, that wasn't to be. I, I had a really good innings. I played 15 years. Mm. Um, and the little bit of stuff I did on the sideline at that time for Channel 10 led to me being involved in the game at a at a close proximity for mm. the next 30 years. So.
0: Do you remember your last play on the field?
1: Yeah, David Gillespie got me mm. um, going across. I've always figured if you're going to go out, go out with the best. Yeah, But that was just a sign that was... You know, if it hadn't happened then, it was going to happen. Um, the shoulder was unstable. I was putting it back in, in games, you Jeez. know, and, and that's not – you know, that that's not great. No. Um, started to wear a brace and that kind of restricted your yep. your movement type things. But, yeah, I, I, I remember the tackle and there was some – actually there was some, some criticism about the tackle. There was nothing wrong with the tackle. It was he just got me blindsided and I landed awkwardly and yep. and that was it. So, I do remember, Andy. I don't want to bore you, but no,
0: far from
1: it, mate. I, 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 the medical people saw that I went and had tests done, and I was basically told that the chances of it happening again are in the 90%, you know. And and at 32, my I I realized that life after football was important to me, that physically I was okay, that if I ended up having kids, I wanted to be able to throw them in there and those kind of things. When you're 21, you don't think yeah. like that at 32. You think differently, but it was still very difficult. The worst part, and I, I think I announced my retirement on the Tuesday. The worst part of it was at home on the Thursday night. I sat on the lounge in tears because every Thursday night for the previous 15 years, I knew where I was to go yeah. and what I was to do, and and that was to be at training with the guys. Mm. And all of a sudden I'd gone and it was nobody doing it to me. It was just the, the nature of the beast. I'd gone from the inner sanctum to being on the periphery of – even when I went down, you know, to the club later on. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't where I had, had always been. Yep. yep, And it was heartbreaking. And I, that, that Thursday night, the first Thursday night I missed of, of being down at, at training, it was devastating because I'd all – mm. I'd always known where I was meant to be and and it wasn't in my lounge room at home.
0: We haven't spoken origin, uh, the frustrations of the club in general from 87 to this day. We haven't spoken TV and the fact you were really the first former player to transition so successfully, the laughs of the footy show when at its peak was the hottest thing on Australian television. We haven't spoken about coaching and why not. Retirement from the game and from working life has knocked after 44 years. What's your fondest memory of the journey, Pete? Does one in particular stand out? You spoke about your regret in in Wembley. What about that fond memory? What are you most proud of?
1: How do I answer that? Uh, Look, I'll I'll be – I'll miss the people. Yeah? That's been the best part of it. The quality of the people that I've had around me, whether it be the playing personnel or whether it was, you know, the coaching staff or whether uh, the fans have been fantastic and, and so supportive, uh, going into television. I, I was involved with some guys called Ian Frickberg and Gary Burns who were magnificent television people but also understood sports coverage better than anybody, to have their guidance early on. The the, the fondest thing, Andy, is to – and again, you'll have heard this a million times before, but someone once said, find your obsession, make it your profession, and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. I've never worked a day in my life. My passion has always been the game. I got to play it for 15 years. I got to be – when that stopped, I got to be as close to the game as you could be. Without pulling on a jersey yeah. for the next thirty years, that's forty-five of sixty-one years of waking up every morning, looking forward to what I'm going to do yeah. for the rest of of the day. In retirement, that's changed a little bit now. I wake up, I see dolphins every day. Mm. Um, I'm 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 taking the energy that I put into my previous pursuits in, into other ways, and I'm really confident that I'm going to get the same feeling of when I wake up that. Mm today's going to be a, a really good day but the the good days are because of the people that i i got to work with and alongside and to and to spend time with um and i'll miss that and, and and it's up to me to make sure that i don't let those friendships yeah sort of lapse a little bit you know the i'm i've moved away from sydney so there's a little bit of a tyranny of distance type thing mm. but i've got, i've got to make sure that i do i do that because it I'll, it it will be a big part of my life Gone if I don't maintain those those friendships. David Middleton, a guy like David Middleton, yeah. anything I ever said intelligently, for thir- it came from him. Yeah, like that's that's true. Uh, he's um, just so many so many good people. Um, you know, Fatty's been a wonderful mm. person to be alongside. It's, it's interesting because we didn't know each other as players much. I think we kind of respected each other as players. And when we first did a game together, it was that infamous Brisbane game where he had one player running through another player like Epsom Salts and then and then Kevin and Kerrid Walters combining yep. to score the try under the post and he referred to them as the boys from Two Head City, <laughs> which we thought was a colloquialism and just kind of, you know, sort of a term of endearment yeah. until the mayor of Ipswich got in touch with the network oh. and demanded an apology, which he, to his credit, he rang the mayoress and... Said, look, I'm really sorry. And she said, n- n- no, that's not good enough, you know. And sort of, and he tried to apologize. you, got, no, that's, you know, we've got people, I, so much so that after five minutes, he basically ended the conversation by saying, anyway, which head am I talking to? And hung <laughs> up. Um, that's fatty, you know, fatty is able to get away with a lot of stuff that, that we wouldn't. But just, yeah, um, oh, I know that it's been long winded. The people, Andy, the people, yeah. the people have been fantastic. And I, um, I'm, it's still important that I I spend time around them uh, despite doing something different now.
0: 343 first-class games, all told 227 for the Blue and Golds, 18 test matches for Australia, 13 State of Origins for New South Wales, four premierships, two Rothmans medals, two Dally M's, a Clive Churchill, a Golden Boot, a Hall of Famer a few times over, and if you don't mind, an OAM, an Order of Australia medal as well. And probably most importantly, proof that nice guys can finish first. It's been a pleasure. Peter Sterling, you, sir, are a legend.
1: Thank you very much, Andy. It's been good fun. And um, I look forward to seeing you in the future as well. Your voice is part of our game and I'll, I'll miss all of those kinds of things. But it's been good fun. It's um, been a good ride, hasn't it?
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series drops at the start of your working week. It's in-depth, personal and highlights some of the game's finest from yesteryear. The Weekly Wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's full on and the hottest podcast on the market. Why listen to opinions when you can listen to interviews with the stars? And on every episode, you can hear up to a dozen different players and coaches, both past and present, giving their thoughts on the great game. It's fast-paced, full of footy and laughs. It's a must-listen. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. That way, you won't miss a thing every episode will drop immediately. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It's not for ego, it's for business, as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends.